It's Friday. It's after 4.30, and that means it is time for this week's edition of Cannabis. In this segment, I take a look at the world of cannabis and try to highlight what people are doing in this somewhat new and quickly growing industry, pun intended. Now look at new business ideas, innovative uses for cannabis products, how they can benefit people medically and mentally, and also help shine a spotlight on Canadian entrepreneurs. Well, today, as we go through a pandemic, it is important to remember that we in BC and Canada as a whole continue to go through another public health crisis, and that is the issue of overdoses. Through the first 11 months of 2020, British Columbia saw 1,548 people lose their lives as a result of a suspected opioid overdose. Needless to say, it is a huge problem and one that was made worse as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic. So with that in mind, I believe it is important to find ways to reduce the reliance and addiction that people have to these prescription medications. And a study in the journal Applied Health Economics and Health Policy has found that legalizing cannabis has led to a marked decline in the volume of opioids being prescribed across the country. The study notes that the findings support the hypothesis that easier access to cannabis for pain may reduce opioid use for both public and private drug plans. To speak more to the study, please to welcome George Dranitzeris. He's a pharmacist by trade. He has a PhD in health economics and is principal consultant of a research consulting pharmacy group in Toronto called Augmentium Pharma Consulting. He's also the lead author of this study. George, thanks so much for taking the time. My pleasure, Jeff. It's nice to be here. Yeah, well, I think this is a really interesting piece of work, so I'm really happy that uh, I have you on to be able to to provide a little context here. So uh, maybe just before we get into the crux of the study, uh, maybe it's important to note a little bit of a, a caveat here as well. A study partially funded by Scientist Pharma, which is a cannabis manufacturing company. I know you wanted me to note that off the top, but with that being said, I guess, how did this study work? That's kind of the first thing I think it's always important to note when going through these types of things is what it was the work that was actually done to come to these conclusions right it's a very good question jeff so uh, once cannabis became uh, legalized in canada myself my colleagues we had an opportunity to examine did it affect prescription drug use with respect to opiates for both uh, public and private drug plans because there is some data from the u.s that shows that in those states that have legalized cannabis they found to have a drop in, in opiate prescriptions so we thought you know did the same thing happen in canada so that, that was our hypothesis namely following the legalization of cannabis was there a marked drop in opiate prescribing so that was the primary objective of our, of our study now the study like i said shows there has been a marked decline in the volume of opioids prescribed as a result of legalization can you kind of quantify just how significant that reduction has been and, and sort of where does this data exactly come from because i know it looked back at the you know i think the last four or five years worth of data when it comes to opioid prescriptions right well this is the way we did it like in order to identify the volume of opiate reductions we first collected monthly opiate prescribing data going back to january 2016 right up to uh, I think it was it was June 2019. So we had about uh, 36 months of opiate usage data pre-legalization and about nine months post-legalization. Then what we did was we took all the different opiates because, as you may know, we, there are different kinds. There, there, there's codeine, there's morphine, there, there's hydromorphone, and so on. And we have to put all the opiates on an even playing field because some are stronger than others. Mm -hmm. Like, for example... Um, one milligram of morphine is equal to about 13 milligrams of oxycodone. So, so essentially, we converted all of the opiate usage data into what we call a morphine equivalent dose per prescription per month. So we did that for all the months for both private and public drug plans. And then 
we said, okay, what was the rate of change before the legalization of cannabis? So we actually estimated the actual decline, and like the decline was about uh, four milligrams equivalent of morphine per month. This is before cannabis became legalized, and I should say this is for public drug plans. Once cannabis became legal, the actual decline increased, meaning that on average every month there, were, there was a 22 milligram equivalent of morphine decline. So the actual decline was 18 milligrams greater following the legalization of cannabis. So we thought, okay, well, well, that's very interesting. Maybe patients are getting different drugs besides opiates, you know, to treat pain. Mm -hmm. Well, so we looked at two other drugs, right? There is a drug called pregabalin and another drug called gabapentin. And these drugs are anticonvulsants, but they're also used for pain. So we said, well, maybe patients are switching to these drugs. So maybe the usage of these drugs has gone up. Well, we looked at the usage of these drugs over the same time period, and lo and behold, the usage of those drugs also dropped. So it didn't appear that patients were switching from opiates to these uh, anticonvulsants. Well, maybe the actual prevalence of pain went down in Canada. Maybe that, that was the reason that uh, there was a decline in opiate use. So we actually looked, looked at chronic pain data in Canada from a recent study that was published um, looking at, uh, at chronic pain. And we actually found that chronic pain actually increased in Canada, so it, was, it didn't decrease. So something happened post-legalization, and it's possible that the decline in opiate usage was associated with the legalization of Canada. Now, we're not saying causation, right, because, you know, you, the only way you can say causation is through a randomized study, but we're saying that there was a, an association with uh, cannabis legalization and the drop in opiate use. Was it... I don't know if you can answer this, but was it like a linear decline? Did you notice over the course of, uh, you know, since the, the time of legalization to, to where you're, you're, you stopped tracking the data? Or was it, uh, you know, was there maybe a sharper curve as a result of, you know, maybe more medical um, people out there willing to give medical cannabis a, a kind of a try? I mean, did you notice anything like that? Well, like, we're actually not sure if the decline was due to cannabis, to cannabis uh, per se. But what we found was that there was a steady decline pre-legalization, and once legalization happened, the rate of decline became more steeper okay. by, about, by about five times, okay. right? So, so, there, so there was a marked reduction. So the, and the absolute numbers are this, right? For public plans, on average, post-legalization, there was a decline of about 18 milligrams equivalent of morphine. And for, for private plans, it was, it was even bigger. There was a 46 milligram decline in morphine. So you may ask yourself, how much, is that a lot or a little bit of opiates? So for example... For an 18 milligram decline per month in public plans, that's equivalent to about 24 10 milligram Percocet tablets. So that's quite a bit of Percocet. Mm -hmm. that, that's on the public side. On the private side, that's equivalent to about 60 of the 10 milligram Percocet tablets. So it's actually a, a, a quite a substantial amount of opiates that were not given following cannabis legalization. Mm -hmm. That's super interesting. And, and um, yeah, like you said, you can't necessarily say it's exactly a result of legalization, but it certainly looks like the trends are heading in that direction. You mentioned to me that research has kind of been held up a little bit when it comes to this. Is that strictly a result of, of you know, the, the delay in, in having legalized cannabis in Canada? Or uh, is it a result of Big Pharma, you know, worried about what these kind of results might come? Like, what's kind of been holding things up here? I think the major reason, you know, like, really, like, the, the education and more research is, is so critical for the appropriate use of cannabis in the treatment of pain and other conditions, right? And, and the biggest holdup for that research has been the fact that in the U.S. at the federal level, cannabis is still a prohibited substance. So, so that has really withheld the much needed clinical studies 
that are required in, in order for us to ask questions like who should be getting adjuvant cannabis for, for pain or for other medical conditions? What dose should they be getting? How long should they be getting it for? These are important unanswered questions, right? And they all lead to the need for, for education, right? We have to educate patients. They should not be me- self-medicating themselves. You know, mm-hmm. they should not be stopping the, their opiates and going on cannabis themselves without talking to their doctor or their pharmacist or their nurse practitioner. What can be done, I guess, with this information as you have it right now? You mentioned a lot more still needs to be done to really confirm results and, and kind of build on the data you have collected. But I guess what can be done with this information that you have at this point? Well, I think this information can be used as a stimulus to start some educational programs across Canada. And I think we should be educating not just patients, but we should also be educating healthcare providers, you know, pharmacists, nurses, physicians, because I think there is a, a clear gap in educational need for healthcare providers, because there is a survey done in the U.S. of U.S. doctors, and I forget the actual percentages, but a, stash, a substantial proportion of physicians in the U.S. said, you know, they really don't know how to use cannabis for pain. They don't know what the right, right dose is. They don't know uh, issues about, you know, does it interact with other drugs? So mm-hmm. I think in the short term, our research should be a stimulus for educational programs to develop, to be developed across Canada, led by experts who actually know how to use cannabis for pain and for other medical conditions to help educating healthcare providers, which can in turn, th- these folks can, can educate their patients. Well, I think that's uh, interesting stuff, and I really hope we see some more uh, information come down the pipe as a result of this. I think it's important, and obviously, like I mentioned off the top, the opioid crisis does continue to to run pretty rampant here. So anything that can be done to to help ease that, I think, is important to get out there. And if I can just add one more thing, you know, Mm -hmm. like with this COVID lockdown, I mean, like, you know, there was a triad called with a depression, anxiety, and chronic pain. So I would not be surprised because, you know, during the COVID lockdown that there has been a a rapid increase in, in opiate use, right? So hopefully, you know, like with the proper use of agents like cannabis, we can help actually ameliorate some of the sharp increases that we expect to see with, with opiate use during the COVID crisis. Mm-hmm. George, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate this and uh, keep up the great work. Thanks so much. My pleasure. Thank you. This has been Cannabis, brought to you by The Lemonade Stand. Visit any of The Lemonade Stand's three locations for all your smoke needs. You can find them at 259 Tronkeel Road in Kamloops, 2013 Kilchenna Avenue in Merritt, 420 Trans-Canada Highway in Salmon Arm, or find them online at LemonadeStand420.com. The Lemonade Stand, the interior's favorite smoke shop. Let's get this party started. Your first stop should be the Lemonade Stand, Kamloops, Merritt, and Salmon Arms Premium Smoke and Vape Shops. Helping people smile seven days a week till 10 p.m. Next to adults on Tronquille Road.